Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Getting back to our final scouting reports and rankings. We're coming up on the end. We've only got two more positions left. Today we got running backs. Tomorrow we got quarterbacks. So today we're talking about the backfield guys. We're going to get into some superlatives. Best zone blocking back. um, Best back for a gap power scheme. Toughest evaluation, a guy on day three that really intrigues us. And then, of course, at the end of the podcast, we are going to give you our overall top five running backs for the 2021 NFL draft class. Ben, before we dive into it, how are you, my friend? Oh, everything is delicious. Excited to talk about some players that matter. Uh, it's well, wait, 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 wait. That felt like shade. That felt like shade here. No, it was because people say running backs don't matter. And oh. I think they do. Do you so? Do you think the people that say that do they not matter, or do they just just the opinion? Not I think everybody matters. I think that we're all beautiful children of God, and we all everybody should be friends and should enjoy one another. But all and I, also, running backs are good. It's try, okay to be a running back. I tried to get at people. I tried to get Ben to say something mean, just like <laughs> just like sweepingly no mean, sweepingly mean. I feel like you you say you've said mean things before, like. You know, you've really gone for the neck of fruit, and you've really said some unpleasant things about yeah, fruit. Fruit and but... Drew Locke, really, are the two on this podcast that have just caught it. <laughs> I haven't thought about Drew Locke in a while, man. Shout out, Drew. What do you mean you haven't thought about him in a while? I've basically I haven't, only I haven't been thought doing... about how, like, the third thing I ever said on this podcast was that Drew Locke is objectively bad I've in a basically while. only talked about Denver Broncos trade-ups for the last four days, so. That's true. We, right, did, we ta- did it mostly without talking about Drew, though. We we're just like, yeah, it's presumed. Wow. Actually, you're kind of right here. We, we've just, yeah. like, put him in the back burner. All right, anyways, we're not talking about Drew Locke. I mean, we can if you guys want to. We can do a whole show about Drew Locke. Just ask about it on Fan Friday. We're talking about running backs today. Ben, what superlative do you want to start off with? Uh, I am. I feel empowered. I feel emboldened. I'd like to speak about the man-gap power blocking scheme guy in this class okay are you again once again are we talking about the best one or a late round one that we like the fit for a guy who outside of the top tier if you need a a a starter or a primary ball carrier and you run this scheme if you're primarily running man man power you're pulling guys running counter you're running gt whatever this is the guy you should target in the middle rounds that's my angle on it okay are you ready yes Ramondre Stevenson's good. Oh, he's good. He's awesome. I I love Ramondre. So you Stevenson. You, re, you really love Ramondre Stevenson, huh? For what he is, which is firstly a six foot, two hundred and thirty pound back, which is awesome, dude. I think like it was. I, Gus I thought Johnson he was. I was thought he was bigger than that. I thought he was like two forty. Oh, they listed him at like two forty five. They're nuts. Oh. His pro day was <laughs> his pro day was I want to say five eleven two twenty seven. I think it was two twenty like, seven. Yes. Oh, that's extremely Which, different than two forty five. Well, I think he played in the two thirties. I think he was trying to run fast, and he ran a four six three, which is not fast, but. 227 pounds uh, and he was pretty like quick he ran he ran a 445 short shuttle and a 7023 count uh 
Stevenson mm-hmm. what is a uh, was a, is a four star JUCO prospect was rotational in 2019 for Oklahoma uh, and then missed the beginning of the season with a suspension slash injury slash this is not really defined situation comes in for the back half of the year pretty much plays six games has 100 carries for 665 yards and seven touchdowns catches the ball 18 times immediately is the most impactful back in the Oklahoma backfield plays exactly as you'd expect a six foot 227 back to play uh Oklahoma gets him screen touches they get him little swing touches he's he's got very very natural hands and then he just goes absolutely headhunting defensive backs you regularly see him like he has two options like one I could go towards the sideline where there's more space and try to outrun somebody or two, there's a safety I could go hit. And he's usually like, I got them go hit that safety. But it's funny because he doesn't have, he's not slow. He, he has explosiveness to him. He has angle, not breaking because he's still going to get contact, but he has enough speed, enough quickness and explosiveness that he's able to get a good angle, force an incidental contact, force a tackle attempt around the knees. And then He's built like a bowling ball. So guess what? Those tackle attempts I, I, I usually don't go too good because he's got that sort of a build. So you watch <laughs> you watch Baylor and you watch Florida. and These are pretty good college defenses. Iowa State as well. He's breaking a lot of tackles. And, and analytics-wise, his forced missed tackles, yards after contact, whatever, are really, really good. And it's not surprising because he plays so physically. Now, he's a man-gap power player and that that blocking scheme that family right there's a variety and so it's difficult to say like this is the prototype however what we're typically looking for in a a guy who's going to run behind pullers just as a general sense is a player who has a good understanding of tempo timing and leverage Mm -hmm. because we're trying to open a hole this is not uh, uh, you know, a zone run where you've got to push the play side B gap and then maybe bounce to the backside A and then maybe bounce to the backside B and then, you know, go to the backside C or maybe continue to push. You got to make these decisions. We want a player who I am running to the B gap. We are opening the B gap on this play. And obviously, like, oh, maybe work backside A, but whatever. And so he has to have an understanding of, understanding of time o temp timing tempo and leverage he has to know all right i'm going to get this and i have to slow play my approach and i've got to get behind the puller and i want to be hitting my explosive speed hitting my explosive first steps as this hole is wrenched open i want to be able to take angles in the backfield such as to make the the angles for my pullers better so that they'll block guys the way i want so that everything happens as expected so he operates really much more so as a part of the blocking scheme whereas in in zone run he's going to make the blocking scheme right so we don't need a player with as much uh, lateral quickness and bounce in a manpower blocking scheme, right? Sure. You look at what, yeah. what what players Baltimore has. You know, they obviously just drafted J.K. Dallin, so they like Mark Ingram and, and Gus Edwards. These are not players who are known for their bounciness. They're known for their ability to survive contact, right? Important, we're trying to get through the B-gap. Maybe the B-gap's a little bit dusty. We've got to be able to, to, to get through that hole, deliver some contact, and survive some contact, contact balance. And then we want that player to be good on a straight line because usually on a power run, we're giving you an upfield alley and we want you to hit that thing at full speed and go murder a safety uh, and Ramondre Stevenson six foot 227 he can do that uh, he hits like a ton of bricks and and so the vision and the pacing running in Oklahoma who runs a ton of power stuff is evident it's as expected it's successful the contact balance is good and the open field athleticism is good throw in the fact that he's got a good build for pass protection and he's got uh, better hands than you'd expect from such a big back this to me is very much so if I miss out on Najee Harris in round one, 
I'm going to try to get Ramondre Stevenson around three. I like him a lot. He's very unique. Uh, I, I remember watching him in the middle of the year because it was after his suspension. He started playing a little bit, and there was some news about him coming back. There was a little bit of hype there, and I was like, okay, let me watch this guy. And it popped on the tape, and I was like, excuse me? You know, like say like five five foot 11, 240 pounds, whatever, whatever he was listed at. And so he's just a unique build kind of a player, and I actually think that he gets a good head of steam in front of him when you give him a little bit of a runway wherever he's going. So he can get some momentum speed. He's not going to be a put his foot in the ground, get up to top speed with in a couple of steps, but I think his long speed was was fine and adequate for what you would want for him there. Although I will say I I thought there was more finesse to his game than I was expecting. Right. Like I he's thought- not he's not like like lethargic. He really isn't. Uh, I have a name down which is way too spicy, but it's Michael Turner for Atlanta. In okay. The 2010, right? Okay. Which was because it's it's way too much because Turner was awesome and he weighed like two thirty five, but. Turner had that, you know, like, oh, like he hit an alley and he's got good top speed and he can break an angle. But also, like, the, the footwork was kind of sweet back there a little bit for Michael Turner. And he was able to, to generate something a little bit. I do think you have that with Stevenson to a degree. You know what? I My name, and I don't do this often, so when a name pops into my head, I was like, okay, I got I to gotta investigate it. I thought about Fat Landale White for for Ramondre Stevenson and because and I have to say fat Lendale White not to go after Stevenson's size Stevenson's build is completely fine especially for the back that he is he he wears his weight well I think but I have to say the bigger version of Lendale White because when you say Lendale White you can't be talking about the USC Lendale White or the te- like it's it's one or the other it's USC Lendale White or I discovered tequila has a lot of calories in it, and I'm still going to drink that like 18 times a week, and now I'm going to get big Tennessee Titans kind of Lendale White. So I think that these are two different backs, and so I went back and I watched a little bit of Lendale White, and I can kind of see it there, but that was more for my own entertainment than to say like an actual comp. Stevenson is is interesting. Um, I, So what? okay, I'm going to go back to what you said. You kind of said that like the Najee Harris thing with him being a gap power guy and, and you being okay with Ramondre Stevenson. Do you have like a round range? Did I did I miss that when when you said like okay if you All can't right. get Najee Harris where would you draft him in a round? Because I gave Ramon yeah I gave Ramondre Stevenson a three. He's my running back seven. I like him a lot. Okay, so you are a little bit higher on him than I am. Yeah, I think I'm gonna be higher on him than most, but he was fun. I'm sort of worried about him because. With that more finesse in his game for his size, where I like the agility and the somewhat flexibility that he shows for a player of his size, it's not like he's going to be able to get to the league and league defenders and defenses are just going to be like, hey, you know what? You are actually a little bit more quicker than I thought you would be. They're still just going to tackle him because it's not NFL caliber. And without that... His most impressive trait being his overall size and even his momentum once he starts to get his good top speed going, I thought that I would see a little bit more of a mean streak to him that I than I and I didn't. So not that I think that that's objectively bad. I just wonder how much of a difference maker he will be in the NFL without that kind of calling card stereotype or streamlined role that he would go to because I like that he's a little bit more of a finesse big guy. But I don't know mm-hmm. how much of that makes a difference once he gets to the NFL. I think it looked good in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Not so sure it makes a big difference in the league. I think he's. So I think he's an NFL caliber athlete. I do. I think that testing wise, he was just fine. I think on, on field, he was just fine. Okay. Uh, he is a 
gonna get you what is blocked dude though you know what i mean i do think that like i right. like him in round three you know what i'm saying because, like and and it, yeah. with, with that being the case i wish he was a little bit more mean to his size like i wish he had a little bit more attitude towards his runs because if that were the case and it's like hey how you block it he's gonna see it he's gonna run through it I'm totally fine with that, especially in a league that's becoming more of a rotation and specialization. I just hit wish he was a little bit more fierce in your face, go after you, hit you in the mouth kind of a guy. And he's just and he's not. So that's that's where he was a little bit of a, a tricky eval for me. Who do you have then for get power? Uh, who do I want to say for get power? Hold on, I'm looking. Ramadre is one. There are more zone guys than gap power guys that I watched. Um, mm-hmm. I don't you just get more zone than gap in the in college period. And this is this is very true because you're, you're definitely trying mm-hmm. to create space to the sides. I have a different name. Oh, do I say this here or do I say it with toughest eval? Both. Because if and I in your top five, well, <laughs> my my other guy is is in the top five because it's. Javante Williams. Javante Williams would be the guy that I would name, but yeah, right. Um, all right, I'll say the other guy. I, I I would just say the other guy and kind of like combine. This is this is one of my toughest eval players. Kylan Hill was my other player that I thought of for a gap power scheme, and the reason why I really like him is because he's got great traits for a running back. He's fast. He's shifty. I think he's elusive. I think he could break tackles. He's got great balance. If you are thinking of running back traits, I I think that Kylan Hill brings it all to you. I even thought that, you know, the 2020 tape, the one that the game that I watched specifically was the LSU tape, and he wasn't as reliable as a blocker in that game. He was much more of a pass uh, catcher, and you were kind of checking that box. But I went back to his 2019 stuff, and shoot, you know, he was squaring up. He had the shoulders. He had the hands where he needed to. He was ready for blocks and very willing there. So he has a lot of all-around game. The reason why I don't love him is because I don't really trust the vision for Kylan Hill, especially mm-hmm. in this 2019 season. 2020 was a little bit different. I mean, it was it, it, it's just not a typical year, so it's hard to evaluate exactly what you see from a guy, especially for him because he didn't play a lot of games. But in that 2019 season, there were so many instances with Kylan Hill where I, I loved it when he was able to get to open field, or I loved it when, almost like you said with Ramondre Stevenson, when it was blocked well for him and he could hit a hole and he could get into space, I just love what I saw. The ability to one cut, get up field, get fast, take on contact, make guys miss, all of that was fantastic for Hill. But I just felt like there were too many instances where he would just straight put his head down once he reached the line of scrimmage, no matter what it was, whether it was an inside zone run, whether he was going outside, whether it was a uh, a, a gap block, man blocking scheme where, where guys are pulling, whatever it was, he just did not show patience at all. I just did not see the patience, at least from a consistency standpoint, that I wanted to see from Hill to match his athletic traits. And that's why he was a really tough eval for me. But if he can... If he can improve his vision, if things can slow down a little bit more for him, because he just he seems to always be pressing, like, oh, I got the ball in the handoff, time to go north to south. Like, I got to hit the hole. Like, I got to get to the line of scrimmage. I got to get up field. Like, and I know there, there, that we need to have a sense of urgency. Sometimes guys can be too patient, but it was the other way around with Hill. I need him to be a little bit 
more patient. I need him to not, the second he hits the offensive line, just put his head down. Well, there were a couple of instances where if he would have kept his eyes up, you just put one foot in the ground like I know he has the ability to do. You shift over a gap, boom, all of a sudden you're off to the races. You're gone. That linebacker was not where he was supposed to be, but you just did not see it, and you bailed the defense out because of it. They didn't fit something, but Kylan Hill too often bailed them out because he would just run right behind one of his offensive linemen or into his offensive linemen or straight into a linebacker or something like that. This is a really tough eval for me, but in terms of his overall ability, if he can slow the game down a little bit, get more patient behind the line of scrimmage, I'd really like Kylan Hill and what he brings to the table in a gap power scheme. Right. So I, this we've we've disagreed on Kylan Hill from day one. Like we, we've been talking about him for two years, I feel like, and we've never been fully together on him. I agree with lack of vision. I agree with fluid mover at his size. I do not think he's that explosive. I just think I think he's I think he's judicious with his feet and I think he's fluid. But when it's on a line, to me, he's be, I, I think he's more of a build up player, especially than I would expect at that size. I don't think he's that explosive. And so I, I, I really struggle with Kylan Hill, who I, I rank him and I look at him and I go, that's too low. He's better than that. But I don't trust his eyes. And when his eyes are right, I don't see a player who maximizes that opportunity. Hmm. And so I've got to get him. I've got multiple things I've got to get right with him before I really, really like him with his ball, with, with, a, with the ball in his hand. Yeah. Now, uh, you can catch and you can pass protect. And so you're right. going to be able to stick. You're going to be able to hang around. And, and hanging around is how you develop. And so there's there's a very enticing long-term uh, arc that I can describe for Kylan Hill. I'm not sure how likely it is. Uh, and, and it's tricky in the NFL. The NFL's got a glut of running backs. You've really got to be able to make an impact significantly in your first couple of years if you're going to hang around else uh be valuable on special teams which i'm not sure if kylan's ever been on special teams he has the build to pull it off but yeah there are times where he moves where you're like yeah let's risk everything for it like yeah this guy can wiggle um but i i don't see as as high end of physical traits to fully like I, i'd rather somebody else take on the project and if i'm wrong i'm wrong you know what I mean? I'm kind of there with you because the whole time I'm watching Kylan and even with me being a little bit higher on him than you are, I'm saying to myself, almost like I'm all in on this guy or not. Like either I want to draft him and develop him or like you just said, I'm just going to let somebody else do it. It doesn't matter what round it's in. I'm either in on him or I'm not. And he ended up being... I have him as RB8 right now. There's a handful of guys that I still want to get to after this, but it's it's kind of some of the lower-named guys, so I don't think anybody's going to overtake him. I've seen people who have Kylan Hill, you know, near the same conversation as Javante and with Travis Etienne. Like, people really like Kylan Hill. I've seen him as, as RB4 and RB3 for some people. I just could not get there. Number one, The number one trait for me with running backs is vision. And then immediately after vision, I have a separate kind of category for spatial awareness and kind of football IQ, you know, what happens once you get into space. So vision I see more of as line of scrimmage work, uh, whether you're executing where you need to with the blocking in front of you. And then I think that what you do in space is also really important. There are too many times when Kylan Hill just did not read what he needed to in terms of his blockers. And then also there was too many times where he was in open space and he just like, he wouldn't stop moving forward. You know, if he would have stopped to to just like, Take a breath, and of course, like I'm hypothetical there because you you can't actually just stop and take a full breath while a play is going on. But if he could have just slowed things down, he could have realized that, oh, if I just put my left foot in the ground, 
I cut this dude and I'm gone because I've seen him do it before. He just sits mm-hmm. there and kind of like stutter steps a little bit until he just fully runs into a defender that he had no business running into. So I like his ability. I'm I'm clearly a little bit higher on his athleticism than you are, but I'm I'm with you. The vision scares me, and when that's my number one trait for running backs, like it is, when you don't show me that, it's it's hard for me to really buy into you because that'll take some time. That'll take reps in the NFL. Um, That'll take a couple of years, at least, I think, for you to really get that down. You want? To, uh, do we have to throw it to break? Because oh, I've got a great transition. We do have to throw it to break. Do you want to do the transition now, or do you want to? If you think vision is the number one trait for running backs, wait till we talk about my zone blocking scheme running back after the break. That's perfect. Folks, Let's go, baby. Bet online is the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, even MLB, they're all getting into full swing. Bet online even covers the award shows, TV shows, reality TV that you guys love to watch. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. That's all caps, one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. The conversation following Ben's immaculate transition coming up after the break. Get all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Audacity app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Ben, I'll leave it to you. The transition was flawless. You talked about vision. Now we're talking about best, or I'll not best, I'll just say favorite zone blocking scheme back. Who you got? I would put a lot of money down. Actually, that's not true. Conditional well, hold on. on. It, you, it, it might be true. You're betting degenerate. Conditional on, if you could promise me he'd be healthy for three years, <laughs> I'd put a lot of money down on Jermar Jefferson being a good pro. Oh, baby. I'm oh, in. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Trevor, no. no. Trevor, no. Oh, no. Trevor, no. No. Oh, my. Go ahead. Sell me. We're going to fight. What's wrong? Okay. Okay. Put on Oregon versus Oregon State, uh, which I don't know the name. It used to be called the Civil War. They're not going to call it the Civil War anymore. Uh, I don't know the name. I want it to be called the the Semi-Aquatic Bowl or the Platypus Bowl or whatever (laughs) because it's Ducks versus Beavers. It doesn't matter. Big win for Oregon State, uh, 41-38. It was a complete disaster of a football game. It was impossible to see what was happening. Yeah. There was fog on the field. <laughs> Correct. Thank God both teams were wearing bright freaking neon jerseys because the only way to tell who was doing anything at any given time. Jamar Jefferson ran the ball in this game 29 times. He had 226 yards and two touchdowns. It was uh, a good day in the office. You can put this 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 film on. And find inside zone, outside zone, duo, split zone, which is home for zone running teams, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, this is this is everything you want in a bag of chips in terms of your zone running back. And you will see Jamar not only making the correct decisions off of blocks, but setting up defenders unblocked to be manipulated 
outside of the fit, outside of the run. He is maximizing, as I said, his zone blocking approach. The first touchdown on the first drive, which is like a 70-yard run, is an inside zone run. And I've watched it 112,000 times because (laughs) Oregon is gapped out. They've got numbers in the box. This should not work. And Jamar takes the middle linebacker too far, bounces back. He's able to, uh, an Oregon defender loses his block. Jamar pushes to the outside, freezes the unblocked defender, gets back to the inside, survives incidental contact, sees green light, and goes. And that's the thing about Jefferson that's really exciting is that he is able to take free access, able to take a third-level run and maximize it because he's got legit speed. Now, there's two things that need to be said right off the jump because I just described a very good player. One, he's dealt with ankle injuries for the last few years. I don't know if he's at 100% in this game alone, this Oregon game, which is their like fourth game of the season. Mm-hmm. There's times where he just toasts kids in the open field. And then there's time where he gets chased down by defensive backs. And I don't understand why that's happening if it's not for a conditioning problem or for ankle health. So I believe Jamar Jefferson had legit speed. I'm not sure how often he still has it at this current stage of his health. And that would be a big question I had if I was looking to draft him. That's number one. Number two, Jefferson suffers from what we call, uh, you know, I'm very good syndrome, which is he thinks he's very explosive and he's very fast. He probably thinks he's more explosive and fast than he currently is at his physical capacity. And so I've said that he's quite good at manipulating blocking schemes. He is. There's times where he's like, I'm so good. I'm going to do something that nobody should do. And he maybe used to. If you watch Jamar Jefferson freshman, Pac-12 freshman of the year, 2018, there were times he got away with that. He's not getting away with that as much anymore. And so while I believe his vision to be good, and I believe his understanding of blocking concepts to be pro level, his decision making is at times a little bit more risk prone than you would like of your running back. And he needs to learn, especially when he gets to the NFL, that he doesn't have the same uh, physical dominance that perhaps he had as a freshman. So his health is a very big deal to his play style, which will impact what he does with his touches. With that said, uh, I I was more impressed with, uh, beyond the, the top three running backs, Najee Harris, T- Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, I was more impressed with Jamar Jefferson than anybody else in terms of the details of playing uh behind his own blocking offensive line. I think that he is NFL ready in that capacity. He could take handoffs in the league tomorrow and be successful. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'll start with the good and where I agree with you. He is one of the top backs in this class at, I think, seeing the field, especially at the line of scrimmage. I think that he does a very good job there. You outlined how he is able to manipulate defenses, and I think that he does that very well. I do. I don't think he's got juice, man. And I, 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 you, you bringing up the ankle injuries, yes, that's a part of his history. I am extremely curious to see what he runs and how he tests at his pro day, which has not happened as of when we are recording this episode. I don't believe he hasn't had his pro day yet, has he? Or did I just? No, he has not. Okay, I didn't. I, I did now, not think so. In the Oregon State, uh, uh, little you know pro day whatever thing that they ran in 2019, they call it the Beaver Combine, right? So there's a little cute thing. Okay, he ran a four four three. This was before the 2019 season, which he lost most of the 2019 season to ankle injuries. Okay. So at one point in time, okay, he was running four four lows. Look, I, and I'll, I'll, you know, that Oregon game 
it's fun. And there are some vision things to take away from that game, which I very much enjoyed. But I also think that the context of his offensive line just absolutely beating the snot out of a bad Oregon team is is also context there. That Oregon linebacking core is not bad. That, sure. That's that, it. No, I'm not giving you that one. He's, that was a decent offense. Or de- defense, excuse me. Oregon State's offensive line was bullying the crap out of them all night. Oregon and, State's got a good offensive line. No, I, I, I no, no, no. I, I, I don't, I don't blame. I, I'm not shaming Oregon State for having a good offensive line. What I'm saying is, what I feel like is on all of the best Jamar Jefferson play is he is able to get a runway in front of him to gain speed because I don't think he's got juice. I don't think he can put his foot in the ground and accelerate. I don't even think his top speed is that great. I, I, I liked Jefferson as a prospect, like. What I have for him here is I think that he's going to get in the league, and I think that he is at worst a high-end RB3 kind of a player, maybe a RB2 depending on the system and depending on how well he could develop. Or really, it was for me figuring out how fast he actually might be. But I just I, I just can't, I can't get there the way that you are. There are things that I like with his game, but I overall just did not think that he was a good enough athlete. He's got the nice short area. His feet are light. He can bounce. He's elusive. He'll make you miss. But when he when he makes you miss to get into that open space, I just don't see it. Like Even on the long run to start the Oregon game, I'm like, dude, these defenders are slow. Like he he's not even moving fast. And it's look it's like he's dusting these guys. And the whole rest of the game, I'm watching. Oregon's defensive line and linebackers just get absolutely bullied at both the line of scrimmage and the second level. And I, I, I came away less impressed with that game. I watched a couple others. I, I like the Hawaii game as well, but if that's that's a 2019 game. But I don't know. I, I just, you and I are not on the same wavelength when it comes to projecting who he is as an athlete. We see the running back the same because I, I, I agree on a lot of the things that he does well, but what he mm-hmm. can do after that and once he achieves the space I, I did not have a lot of faith in to be a difference-making running back a, a higher than like a RB3 or an RB2 at best. All right, let me, okay. I think he is more, I think he's faster than he is explosive. We're I don't think allowed, he's not explosive. We're allowed to, we're allowed to disagree. Just, just so, yeah. just, no, just, just so we're cool. I, th- no, I think that, I think I mean, that you're he's wrong, faster but... than he is explosive. I agree. But I do think that his 40 will be decent. I looked it up. This is great. Oregon State Pro Day. Mm-hmm. April 1st, Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's this week. Okay. All right. All right. It's big. What do you think he runs? Four fives. Like, I think. Give me. He... I, I, want, I want an official prediction. Well, it's a pro day that the that, that Beavers have a uh, nickname to, so they're going to manipulate the crap out of it, but. I want a prediction. I think he runs. Like I actually think he runs four five five basically. I think he runs four four five. Okay, so you you and I right. you you and I are about a tenth okay. of a second apart, which I think is a so, big deal. Four five flat. You're on the over. I'm on the under. Chicken, yeah. uh, yes. chicken, uh, public chicken, chicken tender salad. On okay, line. all right, deal, deal. I'm I'm actually right. writing this one down. We are going to remember this the next time that we're together in an area where Publix is, we will we will pay up this bet. If he hits four or five exactly, I buy you one and you buy me one. <laughs> Only way it's fair. Can't buy one for ourselves. Unreasonable. 
Okay, I like it. That's good. Um, <laughs> do we have a? Oh wait, I didn't do. Uh, I didn't do zone blocking scheme. Yeah, I already know who your guy is. So it doesn't matter. Who is my guy? Trey Sermon. I mean, that's not who I was going to choose. <laughs> but you're right. But but you are right. <laughs> I was actually going to choose Kenny Gainwell. Oh. Do, no, that's rude. I'm sorry, Kenny. I apologize. Do you do you say that because you don't like Kenny Gainwell? We 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 have been here. Sure. I don't. I don't. I haven't liked Kenny since. What do you? Uh, what do you? What do you not like about him? I would take Jefferson before Kenny ten out of ten You're times. You're out of your mind. He's like a hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. That's not Kenny Gainwell. He's like what one eighty five? Dude, he's like two hundred. Oh, okay. Hold on. Whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Kenny Gainwell is listed at 191. He's absolutely not 200 pounds. Kenneth Gainwell, pro day. All right. All right. You ready for this? Hit me. Well, I'm not going to hit you yet because I'm still finding it. Are we sure they already had it? Uh. Oh, he ran a 441 over 200 pounds. Yes, he did. Oh, that boy masked up. He didn't told play you. I told he you. Play. He absolutely did not play at 200. Okay, so now he's okay. So four two. All right, so now he's now he's bigger and still fast. We yeah, go man still does we, not know how to read. What sound was that? No, we're not. I can't do this with you right now. Kenny Gainwell is a fantastic slasher type zone blocking scheme running back. Are you going to sit here with a straight face on and be like, the Oregon State offensive line dominated? Memphis's average offensive lineman weighed 345 pounds. That's playing the because AAC. I'm caping for Kenny because I think he has juice. I think he did something beyond his offensive line. Ran into the back of his offensive line oh and five yards down the field. Gosh. That's what he did. We're gonna we're gonna fist fight. Forget a public sub. I'm, I'm gonna give you a knuckle sandwich the next time we see you. I think Kenny's great. I'll read you. I'll read you my uh, my blurb on Kenny. <clears throat> Kenny Gainwell was the next running back in line after Antonio Gibson went to the NFL. Though Gainwell is not as physically imposing as Gibson, he does bring a lot of value in similar areas of versatility that Gibson did. Gainwell sees the field very well. <clears throat> Is a speedy yet patient back when deciding to put his foot in the ground and get upfield. His change of direction is fluid and his hands are great in the passing game. He projects well to a zone blocking scheme while also finding lots of use in a pass catching scheme as a swing back and potential slot receiver. Kenny Vers- Gainwell ran off four four six short shuttle and a seven two six three cone at five foot eight. Wait, when when did when did Kenny Gainwell become five foot eight? That I'm looking at his RAS right now. Five foot eight, two hundred and one pounds. He ran a four four seven official. What were what did, he, six, what did he what did he show up at a, with his pro day? This is this is his pro day. This is his RAS from Kentley Plot Platt. At Draft Scout has him listed at five oh eight three. What did Memphis have him listed at? Like 5'11". Yeah, the <laughs> Memphis out here lying. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
this is actually such a weird series of testing. He had 21 reps on the bench, which is nuts for a running back. Right. He had a 35-inch uh, vert and a 10-1 broad, both of which are good uh, explosives. But then he had a, a, a 1-6-2 10-yard split official. Yeah, that's from Draft Scout, which is, like, bad. Despite the fact that his twenty is a two five seven, he ran a one six two ten, and then an eight a point eight five second ten to twenty. We're th- I mean, we're th- that's just insane. We got We're throwing all draft scout. We're we're throwing all these out 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 the window. These are nuts. Weird numbers. Okay, forget the okay. numbers. I'm just sticking to my tape eval on Kenny Gainwell, which is that he is a good football player in his own blocking scheme. I would want him in a zone blocking scheme. Thank you. I would also want I would want him heavily in wide zone because I would want him to push lateral yes. and stick a foot in the ground yes. and explode. He's more explosive than Jamar Jefferson is. Correct. Uh, I think that he uh regularly makes urgent and unnecessary decisions that put him upfield that limit his ability to maximize his blocks over time. He needs to learn how to play more patiently. He needs to learn how to read linebackers. I don't think he does that well especially relative to a player like Jefferson uh, with, I, I don't have uh, this, this testing is all extremely surprising to me. Uh, a lot of it is confusing. Uh, <laughs> Apparently nobody can nail yeah. down anything about this. I'm <laughs> very confused about game. Well, <laughs> testing, um, but what, like my day three guy who I made you watch is Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, and I just no. think, I think, no, 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 no. I, I think Gainwell's better, but I think for the cost, I would rather have Mitchell like day three than Gainwell day two because oh, they both no. just need work learning how, how to work how to work their angles and work their leverage to maximize their blocks. We saw this running back class so extremely different. I cannot wait to hear your top five. Also, before we went in, we go on to the I think like our top five is gonna be exactly the same, which is sad. It's just gonna be all the day three fits afterward. Yeah, maybe you're right there. Before we get to a break, because we gotta get to that. Basically what you're saying is um Jamar Jefferson could set up defenders very well and read blocks appropriately to get to the second level and then not do anything with it because he doesn't have the juice after that and you're Kenny, saying he and do Kenny, with and it. Kenny, i watched Kenny, the Kenny, film Kenny, what are you <sighs> man we got all we got through most positions yeah with without... no not just like completely different rankings and we got into running back and we're all, all over the place that's crazy folks if you're not like ben and have good running back opinions, and you also have car needs, you can head over to rockauto.com to get them filled because they are a family-owned business was better. serving like auto parts to customers better. online for over 20 years. You know whose transitions are bad? Jamar Jefferson's because he doesn't have juice. Go to rockauto.com to <sighs> shop for <laughs> and body parts from hundreds of different <laughs> manufacturers. Uh, rockauto.com's prices are fantastic no matter what you're looking for, whether it is a fix or an upgrade on your current vehicle. Reliably low, and it's the same for professionals as it is do it yourself. So why would you spend up to twice as much money for the same part? You don't have to. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the price, the parts that they have available for your car or truck, and write Locked On NFL Draft in their little How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you over there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, a lot better than Jamar Jefferson and all of the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. Man, I'm slandering Jamar Jefferson. He really, he's probably a phenomenal young man. I, I You know, and it's just... He's collateral here, and it sucks. Right, really I feel good. bad as well because I don't dislike Kenny Gainwell at all. He's a top ten running back for me, just not yeah. higher than lot lot higher more. than that for me. We've also been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best taste of protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, yet high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars with 100 percent chocolate in all of their bars. Now 
It's time to find out which bar is the best with Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to see today's matchup. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED and then the number 1-5 to get 15% off your next order. It's LOCKED15. Get 15% off and check back in to see who won every day's matchup and also who is going to win and be crowned the best tasting protein bar. We got our favorite day three guys as well as our top five running backs in this class coming up after the break. All right, Ben, let's hear it. Let's hear a day three guy that you would stand on the table for. Yeah, no, I mentioned him. I'm big on Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Define big. Define big on him. uh, I liked what I saw and his peak plays, and I thought he would test well. And then he put out uh, a 438-439 40-yard dash. 37.5 37.5 vert, 10.8 broad, uh, 4.19 short shuttle, 6.943 count at 5.10, 200, which is those big boy numbers. That's really, really good. Um, excuse me. Uh, linear explosiveness, ability to retain juice, retain speed, retain velocity uh, through a bend, right around a curve. So on these outside runs that they would get for Louisiana Lafayette, they're in a very like, you know, we, uh, ecology, the, the multiple backs in the backfield. They had Levi Lewis, who was essentially a a, uh, a dual threat, and the most dangerous thing about him was his leg. So they, they, they would use a, a variety of running concepts with an effort to get their guys in space. Mitchell being a player that if they got him to the outside, he was usually able to break angles. You see that in the, in the four-yard dash. You see that in the explosiveness numbers. That I'm willing to invest in. Uh, I also like the fact that he... You know, uh, the the production isn't amazing, but then you remember that he was playing with both Trey Regis and uh, uh, Raymond Calais, who's now with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Mm-hmm. You guys had Calais, you guys brought in Calais, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you understand why he had uh, like fewer than 200 carries in 2019 and fewer than 150 carries this past year. Uh, he's used situationally. His best season was 2019. I think he should have come out then. I don't think he put anything out on film this year that we didn't already know about him. Uh, there's a a lot of work that needs to be done. He, he's a daylight runner right now. First gap is the gap he's going to take. Mm-hmm. And often that means he's running himself in, in, into contact. I think that he does a good job pressing the line of scrimmage on inside zone runs to find that daylight. But maturity is this is how it's supposed to go. I know that the defense knows that. So I'm going to give them everything that they're supposed to see and then make a change. Whereas he's a little bit more. So I press the line, I get this double team on the backside, taking the three tech up to the mic and I work off the backside of that. And Oh no, the wheels here. And it's like, yeah, you get, you, you can start to anticipate this and you can start to be ready for it and make a secondary move, make other decisions, so on and so forth. Uh, so that plus he doesn't really catch football at this stage means that you're going to roster him. You're going to put him on special teams. Hopefully he can return something that uh, if memory serves, he has not done at the college level. Uh, so hopefully you bring him into re- and he's able to return. He's able to contribute on special teams with his size and with his speed, able to stick around for you. And then hopefully develops as a runner, not dissimilar to Calais coming out last year as he ended up with Tampa. So I like Elijah Mitchell's a day three guy. Uh, some of the best testing that you've got out of this class and, a lot of experience, different concepts at the college level was in a rotation. So there's probably some, some uh, fresher legs and more untapped potential here than there might be in a guy like, you know, like a Jared Dokes or, or a, a CJ Verdell or like guys who are pretty much the primary ball carriers on their team. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Elijah Mitchell tested extremely well. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that I saw that on tape outside of his straight line stuff. I, I really didn't. He's. I only watched now three games of him, so I want to get a couple under my belt before I really make my decision on him. But I was not nearly as impressed as I thought I was going to be going to his film. So I, I just have to watch a little bit more. But hey, before we get to our top five backs... I want you to talk about Chuba Hubbard because you were able to get to him and I was not yet. And Chuba Hubbard was a player who, going into the season, we were like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. RB1. You know, like, well, actually, we weren't because I don't think either of us had him RB1 during our summer scouting. But he's been on this, in the spotlight for the last two years and then all of a sudden he just fell off. So what happened with this dude? So Chuba Hubbard, uh, right. We were talking like running backs in the summer and like day one was like, all right, let's talk about Travis Etienne. Let's talk about Chuba Hubbard. You know what I mean? Like he was up there. Right. Yeah. Uh, the 2019 film showed a player who, if given daylight, maximized it with burst, was able to survive glancing contact. And then, you know, beyond any debate we're having about Jamar or about Kenny Gainwell or whatever, Put him in the open field. Let him be a track star. He was going to be a track star for you. You know what I mean? Hubbard was running away from kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was questions about pass protection and pass catching. Uh, there was questions about vision at times. And he wasn't the most physical runner. But that on a uh, on a runway ability was exciting. Block this thing up nicely for this guy. He's an example of a guy who's maybe going to be more of a power gap man runner than he was his own runner when he got to the league. Because if you get block this up for this guy, he's going to be able to maximize and generate some explosives. I got the sense watching Chuba Hubbard, which uh, there's probably some bias here because I wanted a way to explain the fact that he just was not as good in 2020. I got the sense that he was not as interested in playing football this year as he was last year. And I say that might be biased because I know and you know and everybody else knows that Chuba was not a big fan of his coach here in the summer. Uh, Mike Gundy was in the news for, uh, you know, not having the appropriate reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement as a man who's directly a, a, a leader of and an exemplar to a group of black young black men, black athletes, uh, and Hubbard was vocal about that. There was the whole like apology video and subsequent apology video and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hubbard just did not like it, it gave me like Marvin Wilson vibes. There were just times where he would get the ball, get up field off my first double team, glancing contact, go down. I don't know if it was conditioning. I don't know if he, 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 you know, COVID hit him and he didn't have the same mass. He didn't have the same uh, uh, drive, the same hunger. I don't know if he wished that he had, we thought he was going to come out last year and he elected to go back. Uh, he did not seem like a hungry runner at all. Hmm. Uh, you watch Javante Williams and then Chuba Hubbard. And it's like one of these guys wants to be here. And the, <laughs> the, uh, the impress right Javante was like every hit is a joy and Hubbard was like I'm just trying to pick up four yards and get down Um, every moment of contact is a gift from the most high right exactly like I can't wait to just knock a dude's socks off so every morning my uh, my feet hit the floor and I'm cranked right so there's there's the uh There's the intensity, right? The want to. Uh, I want to get hit. I want to go pick up those extra yards. I want to commit to my team. And then there's also the questions of like conditioning because I would have said that, you know, you you have a uh, 
a quick and a certainly quick enough, certainly explosive enough player. I wouldn't have put that in in debate really in 2019. It's like, oh, he's maybe not the most explosive, but the most quick, but he's fine. Uh, uh, his his feet weren't as fast. Uh, he wasn't as, as successful bouncing from gap to gap, which is why I say like that zone projection now feels a little bit shakier. Uh, again, like was that was he carrying bad weight? Uh, was was he not as trusting of an offensive line, which had a little bit of a change in front of him? I, I'm not sure. Uh, so right now I have a very hot and cold player who does not do a good job working through the first and the second level so as to maximize what's given him. He wants space. He wants grass. He wants to beat players one-on-one. He does not want to do the dirty work off of 2020 film. In 2019, he was far more willing, even though physically I don't think it's 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 his best thing, but he was far more willing, and so he was able to make uh, garbage, uh, gold out of garbage. You know what I mean? Turn garbage into gold. He was able to uh, find some explosive plays that weren't blocked for him. Whereas in 2020, I mean, it was simply, uh, I'm gonna run what I've got, and I'm gonna go down, and occasionally Drew Brown's gonna come replace me and look like he cares a lot more. Uh, and that's frustrating and disappointing to see. So Hubbard is it represents a uh, he was my toughest eval. He represents a, a high ceiling pick because there was once a really impressive and exciting player here. Um, but there's a lot of questions that need to be asked about what happened in his 2020 season, such that he looked so much different than he did in 2019. That makes sense. I'm glad, I'm glad that you had watched him because I didn't get the chance to. And Not missing much. I'll, well, I, you know, it's it's a lot of people wonder what happened to him. And I think that that's, yeah, that there, there's a lot of context that might go into this. And so perhaps the NFL, we will find a hungrier uh, Chuba Hubbard. So, all right, let's let's get to the top fives. Top five running backs. Did you have a day three guy real quick or no? I well, so all of my later round guys that I was able to watch so far, like we've already talked about Jefferson, Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson, Kylan Hill. Like those are the guys who were lower. The actually the last four on my list. So we've already gone at length to talk about all of those guys. So right, I, right. I didn't I didn't really have one that I could bring to the table. No, not yet. Right. Your your uh, your day three guy is going to be. Let me pick for you. You can. I'm still watching. I ben think Mason, six- baby. Fullback out of Michigan. 255 pounds. All right, fine. Works for me. Good Top five you. guys. You want to go back and forth, or do you want to just go through the just one? I, uh, five I honestly just want to rip through mine because I really want to hear what ours are different. Okay. Like. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like mine are very chalky. Okay. You. All right. Give me just, you don't have, don't give an explanation. We'll get into the talks of the guys, I think, naturally afterwards. So just give me your five through one. Five, Trey Sermon, four, Michael Carter, three, Javante Williams, two, Travis Etienne, one, Najee Harris. Okay, my five is Trey Sermon. My four is Kenny Gainwell, who, by the way, I looked it up, and Action Network has him at 5'11". Dane Brugler also has him at 5'11". He was 5'11 at his pro day. So, Kenny Gainwell... Draft Scout has him at 5'083". It's Draft Scout. Hall of Fame presents. That's what their title says. I wouldn't care if it was You said we weren't talking about this anymore. Yeah, I, and then I went back on it because I, I had lied. to correct you because you were not, wrong. Then, then I did research to prepare myself for a conversation Ben didn't know <laughs> we were going to have again. You think this is new? We've been doing this podcast for two years together. Strap yeah, up. Okay. Trey, Sermon is, Trey Sermon is five. Kenny Gamewell is four. Javante Williams is three. Travis Etienne is two. Najee Harris is one. Okay, so I'm just mourning on Michael Carter than you are. I don't know. I don't know if you are. 
I'm probably just more into Kenny Gainwell than you are because Michael Carter is six for me, and I love Michael Carter. Michael Carter may have the best vision in the entire class. I just think for a lot of things that Michael Carter does really well, including the top trait that I go through to evaluate running backs, which is vision and spatial awareness and patience, I felt like he was stiff. Like I really thought that as a as a now now we're actually talking about a five foot seven five foot eight pack, for a five foot seven player. I did not think that he had nearly as much cut on dime ability to really put his foot in the ground and make guys miss. I felt he was really rounding his cuts a lot more than I thought that he was going to, and so I really like him. It's just a, it was weird for me to to see that because I think that that would have been a big part of his game that could have made him such an advantageous player and. He can still be good. I don't I don't mean that to say that he's not going to be a good running back in the NFL. I, I really think that he is because his vision is that fantastic. And I think he brings a nice all-around game. I just thought that like short area change of direction was going to be better for him. And he's got active feet. Like he could shuffle the feet and he can move a little bit left to right. But when he was full speed or like 80% speed and up, I felt like he was really around in those corners. And I just I did not think that that was going to be the case. And so I have him docked a little bit for some flexibility issues or at least concerns, but the rest of his game is really nice. Yeah, I think he's smarter than he is shifty. I agree with you in that sense. Uh, I would not say that his greatest trait is uh, 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 elusiveness, uh, you know, quick change of direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think that he, you know, he gets like austere angles right, with his legs to the ground or whatever. Uh, with that said, when you're really smart with your feet, you anticipate contact well, uh, and you're able to stay tethered to the ground. One thing I love about running backs is, is guys who take those quick steps, take those smart steps. When you watch Alvin Kamara, you see not only does this guy have crazy balance, but he's always connected to the floor. And so that's why it makes it easy for him to take on contact, even when he doesn't expect it, because he's always got a foot in the ground. I see that with Carter as well. I comped Carter to Naeem Mines off of play style. Hmm. Uh I like that comp. I still like that comp. Carter ran mid four fives. Naeem Hines ran sub four four. I was gonna say right. like Naeem yeah. is a little bit more athletic in almost right. in almost every single way. Like he's a. It feels weird to say like Mario soup like a like a mushroom version of it because I don't I don't think that he's like exponentially more athletic than Carter, but he does feel like a tick more athletic than Carter in a lot of ways. Right, but that's and a so decent, I, that's a decent style. I like that. Right, exactly. And and also, uh, you know, Carter's got uh, 20 plus catches in each of the last three seasons, which is a, a good number for running backs. And it's worth noting that he all he had uh, like, you know, two of those came in the Phil Longo, right? They're very heavy RPOs. They're going to pass the ball a ton. Um, but 2018 was before Phil Longo was the offensive coordinator there. And he still had 20 catches, uh, 25 catches, actually, that year. Uh, very good with, with, with the ball in his hands. Got that short, explosive, long speed build uh, that, that, that Naeem Hines has. And it's just really smart between the tackles. So I like Carter a lot. I feel similarly to Carter as I do to Jefferson in the sense that they do too many smart things between the tackles uh, in, in the first five, the first seven steps of the down for me to believe that they're not going to be able to find some space to be uh, successful. Yeah. So that's me on Carter. Um, we obviously talked to you about Kenny Gainwell. Uh, our three are the same. It's close for me. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to the top three, I do want to read my blurb on Trey Sermon because I think that it's really important because as I was, I, I, I had a couple of all of all 22 tape for Sermon, but then I also went to, some cut-ups of him just for some some extra reps to see what he was like in some other games. And the first game that you will find of a cut-up of him on YouTube is of Nebraska. And 
if you watch that Nebraska game, you will go, this dude ain't it. He cannot see the field. This ain't an impact player. This ain't nothing. You go watch the games at the end of the year, completely different. So right. I want to I read off his little blurb I have. Sermon's tape is a tale of two different seasons. If you watch the first half, his vision is suspect and he's timid as a runner. He was constantly not looking where he needed to and wasn't able to find space because of it. But after some time to heal up his injury and also, most importantly, learn Ohio State's zone rushing scheme, Sermon put on a show as Ohio State's best player in their final four games. Those last four games, especially the Big Ten Championship game and his college football playoff performance, he looked like an NFL back with strong, confident cuts, good balance, adequate long speed, and the ability to break tackles and also get yard after contacts. Second half Sermon is absolutely an NFL back. I think that he could be a really nice RB2 in a in a rotation. I really think that. I think that if you got a two-man rotation in your backfield, Sermon's one of them, he's going to have that on lock. And I think that you've got a reliable player in that regard because he's a big dude. You know, he's, Sermon is, we've, we've had not great luck with measurements, but I'm just going to say it. He's six foot one, two fifteen. At least that's what we see. That's what we can find. Yeah, I buy it. I buy it. So, I mean, like, he's a big dude, he's an athletic dude, and I think that when he started seeing the field really well, that confidence just was oozing from his game, and it was making a difference. He was getting yards and impact plays left and right. So, I just wanted to give everybody that context on Trey Sermon. You watch his early stuff, you better make sure that you're watching his late stuff in 2020 as well, because it's two different players, and the context is he got healthier, and he started to learn the scheme a lot better. And when those two things happen, you got a really good running back. Yeah, Sermon is a, a, a. I've been suspicious of Sermon for a couple of years. By the end, I'm buying in. I guess it's a. I, my guess is it's conditioning, and it was getting up to speed in the Ohio State playbook and and up to health. Because uh, Sermon's weight and, and health has fluctuated going back to his time at Oklahoma. Uh, high ceiling guy, movement ability at plus two ten. Talk about Carter not being super fluid for a shorter, stockier back. Oh boy, Trey Sermon. Sometimes when he puts a foot in the ground, right. he swivels those hips, mm, baby. Yeah, that, that's an NFL running back. Let's go. I, I talked. Uh, I he, talked about him. Sorry, I didn't. I don't mean to cut you off, but I talked about think? him being like a rotation kind of a back. But if you get him in in a really nice zone blocking scheme, I mean, this dude can be RB one for you if you need him to be. I really believe that. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I, I have him higher. I think if it were like I'm running zone 1000% of the time, especially if I'm like a wide zone chain, him McVay, I would take him before Jefferson. Cause I think there's more there. Yeah, um, I but I wanted to shout out Jefferson for, for what he is. Uh, with that said, so three, two, one, I don't know. Like it was, they were quite close for me. Uh, but at the same time, like they, they were, uh, because like, you know, it, with, with ETN, you can't discount the speed, right? Uh, with Najee right. Harris, the well-roundedness. Uh, and then with Javante, obviously the uh, the springiness and the elusiveness, elusiveness here being both tackle breaking and and just avoiding angles is really all, all of them have something to hang their hat on. And I think that reasonably, depending on what you prioritize, any one of the three could be a top of your board. And I'd understand it. But at the same time, for all of that, in my like heart, right, not just in my in my grading and in my numbers, but in my heart, Najee to me is the clear running back one. I trust him the most. I agree with you. Uh, and then. ETN is the clear running back too, in the sense that that cardinal trait of long speed yep. just it really impacts me. Like Javante ran a four five eight, and I was like, oh darn. And then I had twelve thousand people be like, what you thought he was gonna run faster? This is expected. Like, I know it was expected. I was just kind of hoping he'd run a four five so I could go watch his film again and be like, oh, he's fast. Let's bump him up. But you right, can't. Right. Uh, that's who he is, and that's fine. Uh so to me, I, I do think 
I, I like it, you know, as that one, two, three, even though yep. the numbers are quite close for me. Yeah. Uh, I'd understand people having it differently, but that's, that's where that I am on that. I, I would understand people having it differently, but I don't know. I, I just don't know how you can watch all three of these guys. And for example, like have Javante as RB one, you would have to really prioritize tackle breaking between the tackles smash mouth it's like the zach moss so running times. back one thing right and it's year. just it, it's just, just it, like what are we doing the, the game the game is not like that now I, I i i say that is a little bit of a detriment to say that i believe fully that Najee harris travis Etienne, and javante williams are all impact backs at in at the nfl level but javante to me for as much as i like him and as fun as his fun as his tape is he is clearly rb3 because of the the top tier trait that like you said he hangs his hat on it is less valuable than the other players. Now, not to say, again, that it does not have any value. And in fact, you know, if he's in a committee with guys and, you know, he's the smash mouth player, of course, it's going to look like he's dominating people and he's going to be running them over and it's going to be fantastic and we're all going to love it. But Travis Etienne brings you a trait that is much more difficult to replicate, even than Javante, what he brings to the table. Najee Harris is so good at everything that goes into being a running back, including third-down responsibilities like pass-catching and pass-protecting, that he is the top running back in this class, I think. Yeah, he doesn't have the breakaway speed, but his speed is fine. It's adequate. Sure, okay, he's not going to break off a 60-yard touchdown for you in the NFL. Okay, great. He's going to break off plenty of 5- to 10-yard runs that you ain't even going to think about it. It ain't even going to matter because he's that good. So I think the people who are really getting on Najee Harris for not having the top end speed, that's overblown because the average play-to-play handoffs that you're going to have with him, he's going to bring you plenty, and he's going to bring you great value there. Etienne, I, I really enjoyed, and of course, he's got the breakout speed. And then Javante Williams, man, if you're running things between the tackles, if you're doing gap power stuff, and you're trying to smash somebody in the mouth, he's fun. He's awesome. And like you like you were joking about before, his mentality of every time he puts on the helmet and how he thinks contact is a blessing, it's a lot of fun. But for what these guys bring to the table, as much as I appreciate all of it, there is a clear order of importance of how mm-hmm. I would rank these players. And it is with Williams at three, with Etienne at two, and then with Harris at one. I will say that if... Somebody was like, hey, I literally only want my running back to pass protect. I'd like take Javante Williams before Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's elite. It's so funny. He used to be linebacker. So every he, this is when he went to North Carolina's linebacker. So every single time a linebacker blitzes, he's like, yeah, I know you. I was you. And you don't expect this, but it's coming. I want to know the na- want to know the name that I thought of with Javante Williams. I have no idea if this is super common. If people have said it for forever, then I'm sorry I'm repeating it, but I hadn't heard it, and I just thought of it when I was watching him. Go ahead. Jamal Lewis. Huh. So like I don't if, think I've seen that one. So like if Javante like if Javante basically played when Jamal Lewis played from 2000 to 2006, I feel like Javante would be. <laughs> In in contention for the MVP race, like every single year, that's the kind of back that I see with him. So that was. I honestly of- don't know who people comp Javante to. I don't know. I don't have seen a good one that like sticks out. I was watching Javante and I was like, dude, this reminds me of Jamal Jamal Lewis. And I went back and I watched a little bit of Jamal Lewis stuff, and I, yeah, I mean the similarities are there. So I think that that was the guy that popped into my head immediately. Anything else before we get out of here? <sighs> Uh, Khalil Herbert's kind of good. That's all. Oh, yeah. Khalil Herbert is good. I, I like Khalil Herbert. Yeah. He was the only guy in my top 10 that we haven't actually said words on here. And 
Khalil Herbert's Perfectly nice. Perfectly acceptable player. Yes, he is one of those guys who, if patience is your thing, sit down, crack open a cold one, and just enjoy. Work. Oh, dude, he gets the ball, and he does that Le'Veon Bell thing where he just sits there for like three seconds, and you're just like, go! And he's just like, I'm waiting! And then he'll hit the just hole exactly when he needs to. extreme confidence yep. that no matter how slow he's going... He'll probably break the first tackle. Yeah. It's like, you know what? <laughs> kinda. <laughs> and I mean, like, that's kinda what happens. I got him as RB7, man. I, I do like him a lot. There we go. That's the running back list for the 2021 NFL draft class tomorrow. It's the moment that everybody's been waiting for. It is our final scouting reports and rankings for the quarterback class. You're gonna hear hear all of our thoughts on Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and some other notable quarterbacks that we are gonna get to on tomorrow's episode. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.